Okay. So I just want to put out like this that uh, for the record, Yaffa came with a great idea, and I and I spent a lot of time on it. And there's a need for it. I just want to put it out there. Yaffa suggested that we should do a class, an in-depth class on the Aishas Chayil, which would make a great series because it's you know it's olive base, so we have 22 classes, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. And and online there isn't. At least I looked, which is a good thing. Some topics like Shabbatach, and you have a thank God a thousand teachers. It's a great idea, and I I, I prepared. I have the svarim in my house that that I would need, and I ultimately came to the conclusion this morning after I had a good class for the Aleph for the first uh, pasuk that this must be given by a woman. It, 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 like I was saying, it's not a parenting class. It's really a class. About, about a woman. This is not for a, a man to give a class. So whoever is listening to this sometimes should know that I know there are great women teachers. There is no such class online. And it would be Gavaldic. And if you want to reach out to me, whoever you might be, I'll share with you my sources. You have, to, you have to know how to read Hebrew. But I have great resources and I think it would be a great thing. Okay, so having said that, we're still in the, now in the limbo place, which is fine. We did gather last week. We had a Rosh Chodesh class. And uh, I, I needed to pick up Stari from the airport, so I was very limited in time. There was, a, there was a, a part that I did not complete, which is very important. If whoever is online or here was not there, doesn't matter. I'll make a quick recap. But this is the Torah of the Alter Rebbe, connected to the Parsha of the week, also connected to Amalek. So there's many ways of, 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 of beginning it. Let me begin like this. There was something magical about garments. You see, there's a whole industry. I know there is something not positive about garments, which I, why should I focus on that? There was something amazing about begadim. Even though when the Torah introduces garments, it's introduced as a consequence of a failing, right? Prior to the Chait, Eitz Hadas, right? There were no garments. And then afterwards, now that they sinned, now God, now you realize you need to have garments. So when you read the Chumash, it sounds like that it's some sort of need because of a failing, which means if not for the failing, there would be no such need. This week's Parsha teaches us, no, not true, that in the holiest place in the world, with, with the holiest man, the Kayan God, the most spiritual man, that the, the most elaborate, the most beautiful garments is a mitzvah, which is so important that if he's not wearing those garments, he cannot do the service. Which means that there is a phenomenal, positive um, angle connected to begadim. Now, I know over the years, I'm sure that we spoke here about the concept of begadim. I want to focus on a specific garment, one of the garments of a Kohen Gadol. I don't think it would be classified as a garment. I think that you and me, we would call it an ornament because it sounds like an ornament. The trader calls it a begot. And that is some sort of a far head golden band. Mamish, the way it sounds, it's a band made out of gold. It had the height of two finger breaths. Whenever you read halach, a finger breath, it means the width of a thumb. So that would be, I would say, I don't know, three inches, four inches. It went literally from ear to ear. 
This is pure gold. This is not 18 karat gold. This is not even 24. This is pure. That means it's a gold that's soft. And there were beautiful tcheles threads that would be attaching this, this uh, golden forehead plate to the body of the coin goggle. It shouldn't fall out. And it went basically behind his head. It was actually two strands that went above his head. So people that uh, have a whole thing with their hair, I don't know how that would work with the hair-wise, but the coin goggle had no issue with his hair. He had a, whole, he had a hat covering his head. It was, it's a begot. And I'm not even going to speak about that which was engraved on it. There's a lot of layers to it. Kodesh Lashem. And, and it was written in a very unusual way, almost not symmetrical. But uh, just to focus on that type of begot, there's a very important meaning of the begot. The begot is called a tzitz. That's tzaddik, yud tzaddik. So these are very powerful. Any name that you can read in both ways, it's a very deep name. There are very few names that way. I know that by a man, David would be such an example, no matter which way you approach it. Palindrome. Huh? Palindrome. That's what it's called, palindrome. So palindrome is something that's beyond time. You can go forwards, you can go backwards. And the Altarebbe, beautifully, the Altarebbe wants to know what does that word mean? Sits. Where else do you find sits in the Torah? Now, it's amazing. You have to know the whole Torah, which is the Altarebbe, no much more than that. And he shows that in scripture, the word sits has two very different meanings. There is the meaning of, let's say, Neitz Hachamo. Whenever, Neitz Hachamo, which is sunrise, a very powerful moment. Sunrise happens at a time where there's already light in the world. But then there comes such, the sun is so powerfully amazing that when the sun comes up, it's like a whole new thing. You are already enlightened. But all of a sudden, boom, the sun comes up. That's called Neitzachama. Yotzitz Nizroi, another verse, that the crown, in reference to a crown of a king, of a queen, is shining forth. So the, the tzitz represents some sort of tremendous source of light that will burst forth. That's one meaning of the word tzitz. And that is what the coin Gadol is channeling, as we'll explain in a moment. Then you have other psukim that we read Whoever says Kiddush Levana, which actually halachically it's not to be said by women, but uh, the men should really make the effort of saying it once a month. And we use that verse in reference to the coming of Mashiach, that there is like a wall. And behind the wall is all of the good. And we're living in the wrong side of the wall. We're outside the wall. But there is finally a little crack in the wall. And the light from the good side of the wall is somehow making its way forth. And these are opposite meanings. So either it means some, like, boom, you're being blinded with light. A begged that is channeling a tremendous amount of light to those who are already enlightened. And then you have tzitz. As I'm in the dark, there is light somewhere. Help me. And somehow the light makes its way to me. Not I'm making my way to the light. The light will make its way. We'll find a crack and it's going to come to me. When I get it, when I get it, I'm so, I get a, 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 a ray, a drop. But I'm getting that light. Even though I'm getting a little of it, I'm getting a little of a very deep light. 
That's what the tzitz represents. Now, shelve that, hold that thought. Minig Yisrael is this Shabbos, men and women should make an extra effort to hear the Torah reading, even though hearing the Torah is always very important, but there is a mitzvah for men and women to remember Amalek, never to forget what Amalek did, and the way we fulfill mitzvahs of memory in Judaism is not by having a moment of silence of just remembering the way Lahavdul the Goyim understands. I'll remember the way we fulfill mitzvahs of memory is to verbalize something. The mitzvah is not to say it. The mitzvah is to remember it. But the way you remember something is by verbalizing it. And God willing, we should just live to be that old. Once we get into our next 20 steps ahead, when the memory begins to go already, and we become abyssal senile and all these other beautiful words. So one of the things that people do is they, keep, they, they talk to themselves. I have to remember that I placed my phone on the dining room table. Say it. Say it because you'll remember better. So God wants us to remember certain things and there are six mitzvahs of memory in the Torah and we fulfill all of them by verbalizing. So there's a mitzvah to verbalize that which Amalek did. You can do it every day and you'll get the mitzvah. We do it once a year in public. How do we do it? We can do it many ways, but the way we do it is by we read the Shabbos at the end of the regular Torah reading, what we call Parsha Zachar, the parsha of remembering, and we verbalize that which Hamalik did to us, never to forget. <coughs> so the Shesh Zechirot is a mitzvah? Sure. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Now, most people here about Hamalik. If you ask a child that went to Cheder, Hamalik, yeah, there was a nation that, that they attacked the Jewish people when we left Egypt. And they were attacked of terrible, and they were horrible, and, and they, they, hurt, they hurt us. We won the war. The truth is, we didn't own land. We weren't protecting anything that they wanted. They, they attacked us. Remember, never forget. What does that mean to you? I understand when God tells me, keep Shabbos. I, I know what God wants from me. There's a purpose. There's a lifestyle. I have to you know, live my way. That's six days I work, seven days I rest. I understand what keeping kosher means. But please, please, now, even though many mitzvahs are connected to the past, like Pesach. Pesach, we left Egypt. But there's something that I'm doing now. I'm not eating chametz, I'm eating matzah, I'm making a seder. I understand. Even Shabbos, God rested on Shabbos. Many mitzvahs are connected to the past, but it's not about the past. There is something that is needed from me right now. I do this, I don't do that. Explain to me more about this mitzvah of Amalek. What exactly does Amalek, who, who is Amalek? Like, at least if there would have been, if God would tell us, remember what the Germans did, I get that. Even though you can argue that Germany is not the old Germany, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Who's Amalek? We don't even know who they are. It's like, it's like so, like, okay, I, I remembered, like a big, a big to-do. And, we, and by the way, that carry we read the Megillah and Haman and boo to Haman. And we scare our kids, which is another part. Like, don't do that. Like, like, like we're making up a monster to boo the monster. Like you need an enemy. That's what it sounds like to me. They're not our enemy. Like, it doesn't look like they're my enemy. Why do I have to create an enemy just to have to fight with the Jewish people? Sadly, we have plenty of enemies. We should say the Palestinians and boo. That I would get. Okay, at least you're talking about my language. I think that's a very good question. And if I'm going to just give you the answer, you're not going to appreciate it. So I want to hear from you guys. What do you think the answer is? 
What's the question? My question is, make the mitzvah of Amalek relevant to me. I don't get it. Which is not nishkeferlech. If God told me to do something, I'll do it regardless. I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not bothered with that, but I, I'm trying to just understand it better. I have an idea. Yes. Okay, so it has to do with Purim also. Esther is really like Hashem in a way, right? Like Esther is the light of Hashem and she's hidden. So good things are hidden, but then Amalek is like everything that's opposite of that and that's also hidden. So it's like, Okay, so one thing, one thing, before we get into the details, what you're suggesting, which is what the, what the Hasidus does, is that aside of the literal mitzvah, we never take the mitzvah away of the literal. Literal is, there was a nation, and a Amalek, and we should remember what they did, never forget. We, we have to identify something in my life right now that, that for which there is some sort of Amalek. I have a Amalek in my life, and I have to be aware of it, because if I won't even be aware of it, I lost so then the question will be, what, what is Amalek? Yeah. Thoughts are evil inclination. Huh? Evil inclination? No. I'm not saying no. Who said no? You said and you said no. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Okay. I want to reduce the doubt. The doubt that it's inside of us. Okay, 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 okay. You have anything to add? Okay. <laughs> I was thinking also the concept of, like, you're told not to forget something if it's something that you might forget. Like, if it's not something you'd forget, you don't need to be told. Okay. And so I think, especially for saying, it wasn't that they were taking something, for, like, from us. They just attacked, so to speak. Right? But what is, what is that today? Well, I think that the concept of the... I think it's easy to be naive. It's easy to think, like, well, I wouldn't just attack someone for no reason, so I don't... So no one's going to attack me for no reason. And the concept of like history repeats itself if you don't learn from it and to remember like like okay. these things do happen and don't become naive and don't just kind of like okay. think that nothing Okay, okay. And I and I know there are many other things that are important. Let me tell you what the Alter Rebbe says, and, and what I'm saying now does not exclude anything that you're saying. I think that first of all the derech, the way the way of approaching it is that if Amalek is not real to me. I'm not appreciating the mitzvah properly. The Amalek that the Alter Rebbe describes today, let me tell you the important thing that we have within us and what Amalek does. There is observance, and then there is a deep passion for the observance. Two complete different things, meaning, yeah, of course, it's a glove, hand in a glove, but many people, you know, Nasa v'nishma, can do the Nasa without the Nishma. Right? We have the capacity of making choices. I'm doing what I know is the right thing to do without, without my chayas, with, uh, without my fire. And then there is within the Jew a tremendous amount of, of a passion and desire to be connected to God with the understanding that God, how can I connect to God? God is this unknowable thing. No, no, through the mitzvahs I connect to God and that desire of connection will express itself in my observance. The latter is the ideal. Amalek, according to the Alter Rebbe, simply diminishes the passion. <coughs> it puts a, okay, do it, but hey, don't, don't be so, why are you that excited? It diminishes the excitement. Doesn't, in other words, not the Yetzir Hara that tells you, don't do it. If Amalek takes root, <coughs> then the Yetzir Hara can succeed. When a person really cares to do what they're doing, 
unless there's an outside gun, you're going to end up doing it. You know, like the Frida Kerebbe said, what is the goal when we educate our children? Our goal is to make sure that the passion that they have is directed towards Yiddishkeit. What about depressed people? Depressed people are people who, that's, in other words, Amalek is, the result of Amalek will be depressed. And if it's something chemical? Then if it's a chemical thing, that's easier to resolve. Then you just supplement the chemical. I'm sure it's a bit of everything. But Bachlal, you will notice with your kids, whoever does not have, should have a bracha to get married and to have kids, mm-hmm. that the kids are born filled with life. That's just, it, it's, they're, they're living. What happens when you send them to school, let's blame this, let's kill the schools. It's just a matter of time. Every month they come back with a little bit, they die a little bit. And then they're dead. That's, it happens normally with the eight or nine. That's the, way, that's the way it works. If they would stay home, we think, maybe they would die earlier, I don't know. We have to know, we have to know what we're doing, but... You can witness it in others, but that's our truth, that we, we have natural, there's a fire, there's a bren. Okay. The Alter Rebbe says like this, going back to the tzitz. There's Avraham and there's Aaron. If you learn Kabbalah, you, you're going to have a problem, you're going to have a question. Avraham represents chesed, which is he um, is the role model forever for the Jew to really love God, Avraham. And Aaron is the same. Aaron represents a tremendous amount of love to God. We don't have in history two archetypes that represent the same. There's two types of connection to God. I'm just giving you the kernel of a concept. Avram Avinu represents a person who's very much aware of what's going on, who chooses to look at the good as they look at everything else. But I think most people... Most times, if they would look at what is, objectively, they would, they would, the result would be a tremendous amount of love to God. There are exceptions to that, but most people, most times, in spite of not being blinded to that which is not functioning, but that which is functioning as well. If you look at the whole picture, that's Avraham Avinu. It's called in Kabbalah, Ahavas Oilam, Ahavat Olam. The love that simply comes to a person, to God, by look at the world. Like, look at the sunrise and you'll love God. You, you are able to see, you'll love God. <clears throat> Any type of feeling that is a result of someone's appreciation of what is, will be commensurate to that which is. The more good, the more the love. If you'll wake up one day and that day God is deciding to challenge you with a bit more than the usual, you won't be blind, you'll appreciate your vision, but it's going to be a little bit tampered with, yeah, I, I know that I have all of these things going for me, but God Almighty, I have too many things today going against me. Let's be honest. I'm very grateful for the good, but the love will be tampered. So, Ahavas Oilam will be in flux. It won't be the same every day. It's going to be uh, accordingly. And there'll be moments in your life, you're going to make a barabas mitzvah, you're going to make a chasen of a child. At that moment, you're just not. You'll have a tremendous amount of gratitude and love to God. Like, God, look what you did to me. It's gonna, it's, it changes, which is normal, because we are not the same. We change every day. That's Avraham Avinu. He began that, and he inspired that. And we are able to have these feelings simply because we are his grandchildren. Aharon represents a whole different type of love. We were speaking before about the sunrise, just a muscle. That before sunrise, it's light. The crack of dawn is an hour plus before sunrise. 
a person can be feeling a tremendous amount of positive feelings towards Hashem. Aaron, Aaron represents a outer worldly feeling of love of God that is overwhelming, that is a gift. Some people never merit to experience it. That's called Abba Rabba. Great, great love to God. Parenthetically, if you open up a Siddur, people that are familiar with the Siddur, there is a blessing that we make before we say the Shema, both at night and in the morning. And you have Nusach Chabad, you have Nusach Ashkenaz, you have Nusach Sfard. You'll notice that different texts either begin that blessing with the words Ahavas Oilam, which is the minig of Chabad. Others begin that prayer with the words Avarabo. The question is, what are we talking about? These are two different types of loves. The latter, Aaron, if we were to experience Avarabo, then Amalek has no chance. Avarabo cannot be diminished with Amalek. No one can shut that off. That's what Svarvim said? That's what they say. I don't know what Sfardim say. I would guess that Chabad and Sfardim are normally aligned. I know that the Ashkenazim say that. We collectively had such a feeling when God gave us the Torah, which did not even happen in my lifetime. And somewhere deep within me, that experience, imagine, that I had as a soul 3,300 plus years ago is so powerful that on some level I still have that. Which is why some people mention that. Ava, Ahavas Oilam, Amalek, according to the Alter Rebbe, represents an inner voice that, that is telling me, while I'm excited with my Yiddishkeit, no, do, do what God wants. Doing it. Don't be so mishugah. Don't be so passionate. Why are you so excited? Why are you so excited? And sometimes, rationally, that voice is correct. Because why should I be so excited in spite of the fact that I have many blessings in my life, I have many challenges in my life, and it's nothing wrong, it's not blasphemous, it's not kafu toiva, it's not denial of God to wake up one morning and say, God, I have a little bit too much on my plate. I accept it, but my feelings towards you, if a person is emesdik and not a tzaddik, will be limited. That's... It's a kosher blessing. It's, it's, it's a kosher, but Amalek loves that. Amalek lives in that. Amalek will exaggerate that. Because what's the goal of Amalek? To take away my passion for God. Amalek is not the Yetzir Hara that tells me, don't do what God wants. No, 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 we're going to be observant. At least the neighbor should think I'm observant. But what's, what's that, what's that, uh, you're Meshuggah. And why? God doesn't deserve it. Avarabo, is there something between the Jew and, the, and God that Halavai we should taste that is so powerful, it's not rational, it's not logical. It's a feeling, it's like, it's like the muscle that you are feeling the light, you see the light, you can see, and all of a sudden the sun comes up. When the sun comes up, it's a whole different thing. There's like a fire in the sky. Hashem has those feelings towards us of Ahava, regardless where we're at, regardless. If we were to feel that, we're going to mirror that back to God. We don't even have a choice. And Abba Rabba is so powerful that no voice in the world will even be heard when it's telling us, don't be so excited. Amalek sounds like a lunatic. Meaning it's so powerful. So powerful. It's like a full protection against Amalek. This the antidote 
to Amalek, according to the Alter Rebbe, is the tzitz that the Kohen Gadol wears. And even in Golos, we are able to connect to the tzitz. And the question is, how do I get there? What do I need to do? That's the Maimed the Alter Rebbe gives. And this is a very important question to ask once you have this concept. And there's a very big tip. And I want to make a quick recap of what we spoke about in the Rosh Chodesh class and add the other side to it. So we, we, I'm, I'm teaching, I mean, I'm just sharing basic ideas, beginning with the Alter Rebbe, very much substantiated with a lot of modern psychology. And the Alter Rebbe establishes that you have the Tzaddik and the Benini, the Benini and the Rasha. The beginning of time, the Alter Rebbe says that you have the inner person and the outer person. And there are two different people. There's my behavior. My behavior even means my thoughts. My thoughts, speech, and action. And then you have the inner person. Or there's a, there's a Pasuk in Parshas Natsavim that reads that Haniglois there's the revealed world that we very much live in. And then you have Hanistarois, which is the hidden world. There is a hidden world. And we should know that. And as much as we think we know what's going on in our hidden world, it's still hidden from us. There are many, many, many layers. Generalizing these two worlds, the outer and the inner world, in the outer world, things need to have reasons. Things have to be justified. And there's a place for that. So in so many different angles. Let me speak this week, not what we spoke last week, about God, God wanting me. Why would God want me? I have to be worthy. I have to be worthy. Which I have to be worthy. And we have these ideas on the Torah. We say in the Shema that if I'm unworthy, if I'm not going to do what God wants, God is going to reject me. We, we, we say this, our kid, we teach this to our children. There's a truth to that. If I were to tap into it at the right time, the right way, it will help me grow. It's important at times for me to understand that I have to be more worthy. I have to earn. There's actually a time and a place that if a person gets without work, they won't even, they won't even enjoy that experience. Right? It's called bread for free or bread of shame. There is a part within us that if you get without earning it, you don't feel well. It just reflects on the greatness of the giver. That that person is so amazing that they're giving you even though you're unworthy. Yay them. I want to yay me. I want to earn it. So there is a place. In other words, this outer world is not a bad place. There is a place in the world that I have to live in, I'm not talking about physically, in which I have to appreciate that there are things that I must earn. If I must earn it, then that means that there will be times that I didn't earn it, which means I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Today I wasn't worthy. Right? We send our kids to school. There is a time and a place where you want to get 100 on your math test. You got to learn. And, it, and if you didn't learn and you didn't know, you're not going to get 100. And at that time, the solution is, let's give all of the kids 100 every time they take a test. No, that's going to create chaos. You get 100 when you, when you got all of the questions answered correctly. There is a deeper world, and it is deeper. Deeper does not exclude the outer world. We're not meant only to live in the inner world. It's not healthy. But there is an inner place where we are worthy. Because our worth doesn't come based on what we do. The worth is simply who we are. And we are beings that were created by God. And the way we are is perfect and we are worthy. 
it's very hard to touch that. It's very important to touch that. Let me, let me, let me, let me say something perhaps a bit controversial. Many people, especially Svardim, and we all are familiar with this exception, uh, expression, will say if something bad happened to them, kapara. Right? You ever heard that? Kapara. I, I want to argue that there is a time to say that. There is a time that saying that, understanding what you're saying is very healthy. And there is a time that saying it is destructive and evil. Let me explain to you what I mean. What is kapara predicated upon? Very simple. If I sin, I deserve to be punished. If I misbehave, I deserve to be punished. Really, I'm such a big sinner that I should have lost my head. The fact that all I lost was my car, that's, that's Zosana Kapada. Kapada is based on me declaring me to be worthy of punishment. You know, if someone would tell it to you that way, you would slap them, rightfully so. That's what we're telling ourselves. Not that I'm unworthy. I'm worthy of being punished. It's because of God's kindness that really I should have gotten a much worse punishment. All I got was a ticket. All I got, wow, look how great God is. Isn't it the same as Korban? There's a time and place for that. There's a truth to that. One second. Based on that, How can we even demand for Mashiach to come? Or how can we demand of God anything? We can't. I'm unworthy. What am I demanding? There's a deeper, the deep, there's a deeper truth. The deeper truth is, is that no matter, no matter what I did, God loves me. That's the deepest truth. With Avarabah. And therefore, no matter how bad I am, I was never worthy of any type of pain. Of pain, of suffering, of even though I believe it's for my good, but I experience pain, I don't deserve that pain. Why does pain need to equate being worthy or not worthy? Pain is a cleansing, purification, just to be at a higher awareness. It's not necessarily, it's how we're interpreting pain. Pain may not be actually what we think pain is. So... The kapara is not necessarily, oh, I sinned, so... Kapara means exactly that. I'm just saying, that's what the word kapara means. The word kapara means, lechaper means that something is dirty. The word lechaper, literally, the Alter Rebbe says, means to wipe the slate clean. To clean. To clean. Clean means I'm dirty. When the Rebbe was telling us that one of the ways we will bring Mashiach is if we're going to demand of God Mashiach, yeah, I'm beginning to understand what the Rebbe was saying. Is that the mindset, the world that I have to live more in, not exclusively in, because if I will only live in the world that I'm perfect the way I am, that I, I won't be motivated to grow because I'm not there yet. Even though after Mashiach will come, that will be the biggest motivation. Where I would say that now for children, that's the biggest motivation, but I'm not a child and I'm not post-Mashiach. So yesh v'yesh. But the demand, remember when the Rebbe said, we have to demand from a sheikh and other religious people are saying, what do you mean demand? How can you demand of God? That's the answer. Because if, if I'm coming from the outer world, I'm not worthy. If I'm not worthy, I have to be grateful for what I have and I have to humbly ask God for more. Never demand. Who am I to demand? I am taken not worthy. And if I get hurt, 
because I'm worthy of a worse punishment. The deeper truth is, the Hanastaris is, is that I'm not measuring myself based on what I do at all. There's something amazing that God sees in every Jew, always. And the core remains pure always. And that cure, that core is worthy of Mashiach. That core is always worthy, always Zakai, always worthy. Never Kapara. If I got hurt, God, why? Not Kapara. Why? why? And you're right. There is an answer for that, even on that truth, because we're not interpreting it. But don't be machaped it. Or don't, don't see yourself as being unworthy. This is not arrogance. This is Avarabah. And the way I understand the Alter Rebbe's Maimit is that the way we, even in Golos, will tap into the tzitz, which will, take, which will destroy Amalek. When a person feels the Avarabah of God, they will always be passionate with Yiddishkeit. And all of the voices of Amalek will fall to the sides. Amalek has no power against this tzitz. How do I tap into it? By beginning to live more in that world. Now, you have to understand, I have to, I have to get there. Getting there also means, how do I look at others? How do I look at others? How does one look at their spouse? Be honest. How much judgment is there? How do you look at your kids? How do you look at your mother? If I'm living in a world where when I look at my fellow, I'm judging them and I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm a great judge. I'm making right judgments. I more or less got it. I see faults. Well, if that's the world I choose to live in, then I'm going to look at myself seeing my faults. I will do that with awareness or not. And then when, I, when I'll get a hammer knocked on my head, at least from my perception, the best uh, response will be kapara. And I will never access the avarab. And the tzitz comes to fix that. And we have, even in Golas, the ability to attempt to move there which is how we look at self, how we understand God sees ourselves. Our worthiness has nothing to do with what we do. It's a very powerful place to be. And then the type of reciprocal feelings towards God will be so strong that Amalek does not exist. And that's the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah of Amalek. Don't forget, don't be in a place where Amalek can weaken you. Yes. You wanted to ask someone, wanted to ask something. Yeah. yeah. I heard the word Kapara a lot in my house. I'm obviously very Sephardic. Okay. Yeah. But if I, we came from school and we lost something, my mother said, don't worry about it, Kapara. I know. <coughs> I know. But just to know what, 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 you, what your mother was saying, and this is not just your mother. This is no, what. I'm just saying, that's what there I is, heard it. Yeah. So there I is. No. Kapara means that. that, that you, got, you, 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 you went through something that was not good for you, but that's going to wipe away your sins. It's also it's like how do you deal with things that come at you. Correct. There are two opposite ways. What you were saying, like it's pain, but it's a pain for growth. So it's like now this thing has happened, and you, it, you can either look at it as this is something that happened instead of another bad thing. Correct. Exact definition. And then it's like this is a thing that happened. That's going to help us get to the next. In other words, it all begins with, if I view myself as being inherently unworthy, I don't think I'll even be able to experience, I can say those words, what you're saying, what you're saying, I won't even be able to go there, the Emmas, 
Because if I'm unworthy, I know why. I know why this happened. Because I'm unworthy. Punishment. Because I deserved it. And then you attract more negativity and punishment. It's just, it's a certain universe I'm living in. And if I'm living in the world of the tzitz, if I can somehow tap into the avarabah, if I can really believe and experience that there is a certain ahava that God has to me because I'm God's son. Nekuda, the way we love a one day old, and we're not even one day. For God, God is infinite time. We're a child. Not that I'm ab- abnegating chas v'sholom my, my uh, I, 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 I'm a kabbal my achrayis, but the yisoy, the foundation, is, is a, a avarabah. Then... When something happens that appears not to be good, I can never say kapara. No, why? I don't deserve this. It must be something else. It has to be. Then, then I'm going to do, then I'm, I'm able, not to say the words, we all say the words, to really discover how this was good, how this was good, because it brought me to where I needed to go. People have a hard time going down that journey because most people, most people during Golas inherently feel unworthy which is why we need to hear compliments the whole time, which is why we get insulted very quickly. It's kind of because, because we take a look at ourselves as not ideal. And on an external level, on an external level, we're taking not ideal. It's not a contradiction. We can be much better. But that's not the core. That's something external. And we have to know how to fluctuate in between these two worlds and to know when to be in what world. And again, living only in this inner world is not good for the world. We need growth. We need growth. It's like a kid goes to school and the school will have a test. And in the test he'll be marked. But imagine if parents will mark who's the good kid. Like home is already an inner place. In a home you don't give marks. In the school you can give a mark. That's what Hashem has for us. And it's unconditional and you're always worthy in His eyes. Correct. So in order for us to tap into that, we have to give that to ourselves. Correct. So when we give it to ourselves, then we can give it to others. Correct. And then we can come from that place, not of punishment. Correct. Okay, so something bad happened. You did something wrong. And you know you were wrong. How do you approach that from Avaba? I'm not perfect, Hashem love me how I am. I know I'm not perfect and I'm gonna love myself the way I am also. What do you do so you don't fall into the trap of, I'm terrible and I'm not worthy. How do you practically do that? Depends how terrible of a deed you did. <laughs> no, really, no, 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 I'm just being practical. I would argue that most of what we do is not really not that terrible. I, I, I think that if someone were to really hurt one's fellow mm-hmm. on purpose, mm-hmm. to feel worthy, maybe, maybe, maybe a psychopath. Maybe, maybe that's not the time to go there. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if we always have to be there. I do think that most of what we do, we hurt people around us, we make mistakes, but it's, in, it's, it's within the realm of human. I, I really think that that's the way God sees it. There's a lot of understanding. Not understanding and therefore continue down that path. 
you look at your kid. I, for me, it's always easier with the kids. The kids, the kid goes and the, and the teacher makes an email that your kid really misbehaved. You know, you know, you have a good kid. Mistama, someone bullied your kid over there, and someone insulted your child, and he couldn't sleep good last night, and he didn't have a snack. He was in a bad mood, and uh, say so you tell your kid, we're good. Say that, just don't do it again. Like there's no. And the teacher who's trying to control the class, control, he can't control the class, is freaking out. The best I can answer you is, is that I really don't think that we do things that are that terrible. And when we do, we should take a do tshuva. And when we do something terrible, we should sit down and say, oh my God, what happened to me? Look at what I did. There's a time for that. And go cry. I think, can I ask you something? Sure. I feel like one of the things that that I think a lot of the things that people do wrong or that we do wrong, it's like you get lost somewhere. You get confused. I, I feel like... That's what I was saying. Most... Like when you... Like if you can take it like in an example of just like a skill that you haven't learned. So whether that's in a sport or in a business or in an art. And there's an art to like behavior modification as well and becoming who you are or who you could be. And when you miss that, the same way that... You know, if you're shooting basketball, you're trying to, like, get it in, and you're, like, you're not delusional. Like, oh, that I was too far. It's too much to the right. It's too much to the left. It's not on your character. It's on it's how you can fix it and how you can make it better. It's like they can coexist. You don't have to, like, I'm such an idiot that I keep missing the basket. It's like, I'm standing here and practicing. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I need to go harder. I need to go soft. What do you want? Let me, let me give it maybe another way. I'm just trying to think practically. Is there someone in your life that you feel really cares for you, if there was such a person? How do you think they would react when they would see you doing whatever it is that's not perfect? You, you don't have to answer, I'm just rhetorically. If someone would care for you, they would, they, they would, yeah, exactly. They would not come with you with the X. They would not come with you. And, and I think that many, at least people that I know do that to themselves. And that's not healthy. They're not a bigger tzaddik because they do it. It doesn't make them behave better because they do it. There's not, nothing good in that. There's nothing good in that. It's the work of that's, I'm saying that's not malik. It, 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 weak, it weakens. In other words, what we never allow other people to do to us, we do to us the whole time. And all of that has to do because we don't make an effort to go to this core of avarava. And it doesn't take long before you do it to someone else if you do it to yourself. That's right. That's right. But I'm saying practically think, how would I like for so-and-so in my life, let's say in your life, whoever, it doesn't matter. There's someone in your life that really cares for you. How would they react? Copy them first. React to yourself the way they react to you. I think that's a good practical step, number one. And that also means that we can be very helpful for other people. I think most people don't have such a person in their lives. Someone who take, comes with them with understanding and with a little less judgment and with a lot more forgiveness. It's a big mid of this. But that does not I don't think that means how much they love you. I think a person with a good middah, like I think that they're the person that's going to judge well and come with that higher love. Like a person who's worked on themselves is more forgiving and, and, and less of a control freak. And there can be someone who really loves you that hasn't worked on themselves that will still be super strict. Okay, that's what I meant. I agree, I agree with that. But what I'm saying, if you have someone like that in your life that's more developed, yeah. then you should actually emulate. They can serve as a role model to you how you should deal with you. Like the Rebbe. Like the Rebbe. He was the greatest in that. Yeah. The Rebbe was the greatest in that. It means that people, mamas, felt comfortable walking by the Rebbe. There was like a paradox. On one hand, 
you felt very much accepted, and also the Rebbe demanded a lot, and it wasn't a contradiction. Normally, when someone is demanding of you, it makes you feel that you're lesser than. Like, hello, he had that koyach, because that's the way Hashem looks at people. It's, it goes together. There's an avarabba, and from there, well, now, now that you have so much power, hello, why don't you use it? Do something with it. Maybe even my tone is wrong. <coughs> the tone of the Rebbe is better. You have to get that. If that's okay to add, though, the only thing about the Rebbe, it, it's... The Rebbe also emphasized over and over, it's, there's too much of a gap between Rebbe okay. and Chassid. But the Chassid... Ideally, the, you know, that we should... That I should be, you know, on a Chassid level. But there's a big gap. And that's where peers... You know, okay. Like-minded peers, really. Or having a few peers, because I don't think there are people that can be perfect for you in all areas. You can have one person that can be your rav and how to be more, how to be more forgiving. You can have other people that can be a good rav of how to be a greater doer. Another person of how to be more organized. Yeah. The Rebbe had it was it was a blessed yid. He had everything. You don't need to have everything in one person, and and to, and, and to know that whoever you'll make into your rav. Your Rav will disappoint you. So don't be so disappointed. I think it's good to know that from the outset. Rav and Chavir. Everyone. Yeah, people around you will disappoint you. That's the way God made it. No one is perfect. So don't be so uh, shattered. People idealize. Huh? People idealize. We need a tribe. You know, we need a tribe. Forget about the Rav. Others, even others. And it's a mistake. It's a mistake. There's something to learn from everyone. And everyone has flaws. If you get that balance correct, you'll have an easier time, instead of people that were, if I can't have the Rebbe, then I have to choose. You can choose a Rav at someone. Everyone has, everyone has gold. Just find that gold and learn from that. Spend time. Invest. All right, Eden. That's more or less the Alter Rebbe sits. This is the antidote against Amalek. Can I say something that's on my mind? Yeah. Um, we're talking about Amalek from the inside, but I think there's also like an outside manifestation of Amalek. Oh, for sure. And I have a feeling it has a lot to do with like Hollywood. In a way, where really, and like the whole like social media thing of perfection and, and what you're supposed to be, and even like this elitism <coughs> of spirituality and like being a really good person and how like it's gone really far left. I think when we look at that and we compare ourselves to it, and we bring ourselves down, that's a form of Amalek getting in, so we have to be careful what we like. Very good. And that thing is very hidden, because it's very glamorous and beautiful on the outside, and I think we need to be aware that there's a lot of stuff that looks shiny, but behind it, it's like... Okay, very good. Anything that puts you down is part of Amalek. Yeah. And any, any place that lifts you up in a way that that is lifting me up, and now I'm more motivated to be a better version of me, that's good. Right. Correct. All right, Eden.